Amen. I've got 30 minutes, just enough time to do some damage. What do you guys think? Yeah? You guys in agreement? Lord, we just bless you today. We honor you. We declare that you reign over all the earth and over all the heavens, God. You reign. You reign, God, over this moment of time, and you reign over this people called Antioch. You reign, God, over our families. You reign over the preaching and the administration of your word. God, I bind up every word that would not be from you. No soulish words, no emotional words, no good ideas or man ideas. We need a word from God. We want the sword of the spirit to cut and pierce and hit the mark. Spirit of the living God, your word says that you are truth and you'll lead us into all truth. And we want truth because truth sets the captives free. We're asking today for a truth and revelation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Antioch Church. Love you so much. No other place in the world I'd rather be right here with you. <clears throat> you guys are my heart. Uh, forgive my voice. It's, it's a little, um, I don't know. I, yeah. Some crazy guy was up here screaming earlier this morning. <laughs> hey, we've been on a series for the summer on activation, and we're actually bringing it to a close uh, next week. I don't know if it's next week, but here pretty soon, we're going to be celebrating our one-year anniversary as Antioch Church. It was the last Sunday of September last year that we, we launched this thing, and uh, it's been a glorious ride, but we're just starting. I mean, we're just starting, and uh, this year has been a great learning year. Christy asked me a question two days ago. Um, she said, what have you learned in your 36th year? And as you're looking at turning 37, she said, what are some of the key lessons from this past year? And, and it's, been a, it's been a lesson intense year, 36 has been. It really has been in a really good way. And so I rattled off. She said, give me your top five. And I think I gave her 15 because <laughs> it's been pregnant with a lot of lessons, which is a great thing. But we've been on a series here on activation. And um, today I want to talk about, I just want to get right into it. We're going to talk about the fact that we become activated and we recognize and realize our destiny when we learn how to see problems <clears throat> as opportunities and assignments. When we learn how to see problems as opportunities and assignments. And I felt like the Lord just, um, as he usually does, and I so enjoy this, he, he gave me a, a particular focus on this this morning. So if you have your Bibles, uh, I'd like to start in the middle, and then I'd like to work backwards and then catch up. If you didn't understand that, don't worry about what that meant. <laughs> but we're going to go to Isaiah 22, 22, and then Matthew 16. So let's start off and go to Isaiah 22. Isaiah 22, and why don't we begin in verse 20? just to give us a little context here. In that day, I will summon my servant, Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, and I will clothe him with your robe and fasten your sash around him and hand your authority to him. And he will be a father to those who live in Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Verse 22, I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, 
no one can open. I just want to, we're going to get back to this, but I want to just place a couple of words of commentary. Any, the shoulder represents government. So where it says here, I will place on his shoulder, I'll place on his government and keys always represent authority. So he says, I hear, I will give him keys. I will give him authority, the key to the house of David. And that authority allows us to open things and it allows us to close things, to open things and to fasten them shut. Let's go back over here to Matthew chapter 16 and then I'll zoom back and we'll begin putting all this stuff together. Matthew chapter 16. And why don't I begin in verse 13 again, just to let us see the entire story here. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? <clears throat> and they replied, some say John the Baptist and others say Elijah and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, <clears throat> Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. Let me just make a quick comment here that for us to really know who Jesus is, that must be revealed to us. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter two that spiritual things are spiritually discerned. And we should never assume that we understand who God is without him revealing that to us. We cannot catch, capture an accurate understanding of who God is on our own. There's two types of revelation that many scholars talk about. They talk about general revelation and specific revelation and the specific revelation that comes through his word and it comes through the revelation of who Jesus is in the flesh Basically, I like the way A.W. Tozer says it, that any revelation of God that we have has been revelation that he himself has given to us. It's not been a revelation that we've initiated or that we've learned or, or discerned on our own. We only know God to the extent that he has revealed himself to us. That's very, very important. And it's important in the way that we preach. It's important in the way that we share the gospel. It's important in the way that we lead our services. Because what we want is we want to preach the uncompromised gospel of the kingdom and the word of God and trust that it is the spirit of God that will reveal Jesus to the hearts and minds of men. If we'll be faithful to that end, we can trust that God will be faithful to reveal Jesus because it's only the Holy Spirit that can reveal Jesus to people. So we don't have to do his work for him of revealing we can take that pressure off of ourselves and give ourselves completely to the truth of the gospel. Are you, am, I, am I communicating this morning? Okay, I hope I'm making sense to you there. All right, let's keep reading. But what about you? Oh, let's go down to verse uh, 18. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So here again, these two verses <clears throat> that both uh, speak about authority, represent authority. Let's start talking about problems. And let me just kind of flesh this out a little bit. Number one, problems are common to everyone. 
Problems are common to everyone. Number two, how we handle problems can be the place where we shine. The way that we handle problems, the way that we address problems can activate us. If we shy away from problems, we lose an opportunity to activate something inside of our lives, whether that be the development of character, whether that be a strengthening or enlarging of our lives, whether that be an opportunity to uh, partner with the wisdom and the creativity of God, <clears throat> uh, whether that be an opportunity to discover some spiritual gift. If we shy away from problems, we miss those opportunities. If you think about the Old and the New Testament, many of the people that we look at as the heroes of faith and that we point to as leaders in government and leaders in other arenas or spheres of society, they were catapulted into those places because of the way that they approached problems. Joseph being exhibit A. Joseph uh, was faced with not only his personal problems and his family problems, he didn't let those things destroy him. How many of you know that when you have 11 other brothers and they all don't like you and they throw you into a pit and sell you, that's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem. And you know, for as much as we wrestle with offense and bitterness and anger and unforgiveness, I don't know if any of us have had 11 brothers gang up on us, strip us naked, throw us into a pit and sell us into slavery. And that was something that Joseph had to, he had to fight. He had to fight for his heart. He had to fight to make sure that his heart was pure so that when he led, he wasn't leading out of anger and control. He wasn't leading out of bitterness. He was leading out of a heart that was truly free. And that was a problem. But that problem became an opportunity. Essentially, that problem became his training ground. And then he faced, uh, he faced accusation and he faced charges where Potiphar's wife was doing some inappropriate things and trying to seduce him and lead him into making some decisions that weren't wise. And in that moment, he was faced with a problem. What do I do with the problem of temptation? What do I do when the people above me are not acting in a manner that is right and appropriate and godly? What do I do when people are uh, sending false accusations my way? That was a problem. And the way that he handled that problem with integrity and righteousness and justice, even though it looked like a setback, it was actually a promotion. Because when Joseph said, I am not going to uh, bow to this problem and allow it to defeat me, I am going to resist this problem. I'm going to resist what's coming after me. I'm going to resist this temptation. I'm going to flee. But in doing that, he was learning how to solve that problem in a well way, but it threw him in prison. But in prison, there was another problem. It's another training ground. It was another opportunity. It was another assignment. And when we fast forward to the end of Joseph's life, we see that he is pulled out of that prison, out of that pit, and he is pulled into the place of the palace, but he's facing another problem. The problem's not a personal problem, not a family problem. It's not a problem with an employer. It is now a national problem. But the way that he learned how to approach those things not as things that were designed to pull him backwards, but he approached them from an opportunity and an assignment standpoint. He approached them from the mindset that you are my training ground. This problem is a training ground that has been designed by God to put something inside of me. Now he's facing national problems. And what happens when Pharaoh comes to him and he says, we've got a problem here in the land. We've got a famine going on. And Joseph stands up and he says, here is the solution to that problem. And it was that key moment that catapulted him into a place of authority. 
Problems are common to all of us, but how we handle them will determine the influence and the authority that we have in the earth. See, we believe that God has given us marching orders here and those marching orders are as a kingdom community. We awaken, we equip, and we send people to transform cities, regions, and nations. That's a big, that's a tall order. But transformation implies that there is a problem that must be solved. And transformation also implies that there is authority that is needed to solve those problems on local and on national levels. Let me talk with you very quickly about the purpose of problems. Number one, problems are a pathway to growth. Problems are a pathway to growth. See, I believe that God is a problem solver. And he doesn't always solve our problems for us. He mentors us and fathers us and tutors us and trains us. And he leads us into a place where we can handle increasingly greater problems because God himself is a problem solver. I know this because in Genesis chapter three, uh, Adam and Eve made some wrong decisions and those wrong decisions created a huge problem. Sin entered into the world. Authority was taken from man and was given into the hands of the enemy. And the scripture says, and we can look at it together if you go with me to the book of Genesis chapter three. Let's look at verse 14. This is a, this is a very powerful principle here that I wanna highlight, that God himself is a problem solver. When man, when man gave up the keys of his authority, his authority to rule and bring the dominion of heaven to the earth, Here's how God responded in verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Genesis 3, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly. You will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head. You know who he's speaking of right there? He's speaking of Jesus, who is the solution to that problem. So the very moment that man makes this mistake and opens up sin and death and sickness and devastation into the entire earth, God, scripture says in 1 Peter 1.20, that God already knew before the foundations of the world were created what the solution to that problem was gonna be. God's a problem solver. He's a problem solver. And he invites us into the yoke of sonship and training so that we can partner with him to solve increasingly greater problems to bring his kingdom onto the earth. Problems are a pathway for growth. Trials and challenges and oppositions are all lessons to be learned that lead to our growth. Many of you have heard this before, but the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, right? If you, if, if you keep finding yourself in a cycle, if you keep finding yourself in bondage or captivity, you might need to pull out and say, God, I need, I need to engage with this in a different way. I need to grow. My faith needs to grow. My wisdom needs to grow. My authority needs to grow because I keep finding myself running into the same problem, into the same situation and getting the same results. I love the word where it says in Hebrews 5, 14, Hebrews 5, 14 says that solid food is for the mature. Solid food is for the mature. Watch this. Who by constant use have trained themselves. So by the constant use of the word, we train ourselves. We engage in the training process of the Lord. And here's the principle that we need to understand. The word of God actually works on our problems. 
The word works on our problems. So that as we participate and partner with God, we, we learn how to take his word and two things happen. We learn how to become what that word is so we can do what that word says. And in doing so, we not only solve problems, but we gain wisdom and authority and mastery over challenges that enable us to lead and influence on a greater level because problems are our pathway to growth. Problems are necessary. They're critical for us to become the people that God has called us to be. And those problems will look different for every single one of us. But the goal here is not that we, we don't solve problems by gaining more knowledge, right? We, we solve problems by allowing the spirit of that word to get inside of us and transform us to the degree that we allow the word to transform us. And to the degree that we allow the wisdom of that word to operate through us, to that degree, we'll begin to address and solve problems with the wisdom and the power and the love of God. The goal here is applied theology, not just learned theology, but applied theology, incarnational theology. Problems enlarge us. If we handle them the right way, problems enlarge us. They teach us perseverance. They strengthen us. They stir up our creativity. They toughen us up. They bring resiliency and tenacity to us. Problems um, cause us to draw from God on a different level. Number two, problems prove and they develop our character. If you, if you allow the Lord to do this, and we're gonna get here in, in, in point three, but if you allow the Lord to do this, he will actually use a problem to show you where you really are. They develop our character. They build something deep inside of us. See, we need to understand that our character before redemption is too weak to steward the authority that he wants to give us without it corrupting us. You know, this morning I was, I was praying, I was praying that doors and walls would be broken in our lives. And I felt the Lord check me on that. He says, some of those doors are the very things that my people need in order to strengthen their character so they can steward the authority that is needed for what's on the other side of that door. Now we want God to destroy all the walls for us. Just break the walls, break the walls. No, 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 the wall is part of your training. The wall is there to strengthen your faith and your trust and your resiliency and your tenacity and your patience and your character so that when you learn how to operate with the keys, here's Isaiah 22 and Matthew 16. So when you learn how to operate that key or that authority to open up those doors, the challenge that is waiting for you on the other side of that door will not crush you. Are you hearing me this morning? Problems develop character. Hebrews 5, 8 says that although Jesus was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. How many of you know Jesus had some problems? People accusing him and people trying to kill him and talking about him. And everywhere he turned, there was a sick person trying to, trying to touch him and get healed. And every situation that he walked into was a problem. And some of those, in every situation he walked into, he engaged in a different way. Because he looked at every situation as a training ground and an opportunity and an assignment to let something be developed inside of him. And Hebrews 5, 8 says that sonship and obedience were being built deep into the fiber of his character. 
For 33 years of Jesus's life, how many of you know that when you have power to do whatever you want and to not do anything for 30 years, that builds something inside of you? Come on, think about that. A lot of our young folks need to hear that. Young preachers, young leaders, young strategists, you don't understand what I got burning on the inside of me. I do understand, and it needs to be matured. What I understand is that God wants to match the gift and the vision with character that will sustain it so that the weight of the authority that is necessary for that assignment doesn't destroy you. What good does it profit the kingdom that he launches all of us out with great gifts and great visions and great abilities and five or 10 or 20 years down the road, we fall because of a weakness of character and now that influence damages the rest of the body. What good does it do for the kingdom? It doesn't, right? Problems develop our character. And God trains us to incrementally handle greater levels of authority and responsibility and power. The military is a great example of this, whether it be on the enlisted side or whether it be on the officer side, as we look at how people progress and they get promoted, they get promoted to handle greater measures of responsibility and authority based on their service and based on how they stewarded the previous level of responsibility and authority. Number three, problems cleanse us and they humble us. Again, here we need to understand that a problem will show you where you really stand. You know, when, you, when, when we face things in our lives, when you face a challenge, when you face a conflict, when, you, when you're in a fight, when you're in a battle, you know at that moment, when you're facing an enemy and you guys fight, you'll know where you're at. When he hits you, when he strikes you, you'll know what's on the inside. Christians are probably some of the most self-deceived people on the planet because we believe that what we know is where we are really at. We believe that what we've experienced or what, uh, what, what, uh, what environments we've been into is really where we're at spiritually or in our maturity or in our authority. But how you know where you're really at in those levels is when the enemy hits you in a certain way and watch what comes out of you. You know what's inside of a thing when this thing is squeezed. What comes out? Rebellion, anger, division, stress. I can't handle this anymore. I wish this would all go away. Listen, if you're saying, I wish it would all go away, you're not ready for the next level. You're not ready for the next assignment. Because as God advances us into greater realms of authority, the warfare and the pressure, the conflict and the stress become greater. It is a fact, Jack. It is just a principle of the spirit. And you know, as, as, a, as a younger man, 14, 16, 20, 22, as just growing up and recognizing the call of God in my life, recognizing gifts and abilities and things of that nature, I needed certain problems to humble me. Problems can humble us. It's good for us to make some mistakes. It's necessary for our training development for us to fail. Some of you need to hear that right now. 
Some of you, and, I, and I've worked with some of you personally, and you've seen this in your own lives, but some of you have sat back and you went, oh, well, if I was the leader, I would have done that. Or you've said, you know, Pastor Jay, you need to do this and you need to do this and you need to do this. And then there's a measurement of authority and responsibility. And the same things that you were saying you need to do are things that you were experiencing and that is a part of the process. So you can go, that's what it feels like. Are you with me on that? That's why every single one of us should aspire to servanthood and leadership. We, we should all do that. Every single one of us should aspire to some measurement of responsibility because that responsibility will show us where we're at. It'll show us where we're at. I've had young men come to me and they said, Pastor Jay, I want you to mentor me. I want you to father me. I want you to disciple me. And we'd sit down and I'd say, well, I want you, and I'd give them assignments. I'd give them work. I'd give them a task. I'd give them a measurement of responsibility. And they said, oh, I don't want to do all that. I want to sit down. I want to have coffee, pumpkin spice latte, cook mocha cookie frappuccinos, and you just dispense all of your wisdom on me and I'm going to grow. No, that's not how you grow. You grow by exercising responsibility, by finding where you're at. How do you handle that responsibility? Let it cleanse you. Let it humble you. We ought to be running up into problems that we don't know what to do. Because what that, if we could solve every problem ourselves, why would we need God? Why would we need his word? Why would we need his spirit? We, we must, in fact, you ought to look back in your life. You ought to look back right now in this moment and say, am I, am I, uh, can I do everything I'm doing right now on my own without God? And if you can, you're not facing problems big enough yet. And sometimes we go through seasons in fact, one of the ways that we know that we're ready to graduate to another season or to another, another post of authority is when this level gets to a place where it's easy. Christy and I know when we've been coasting for a while and when we're due, we're due for, we're due for another devil. We're due for another assignment. We're due for another attack. It's been too quiet on the home front. Everything's been too easy. Huh? And that's, that's, that's how it comes. That's how it happens and we graduate and we promote into greater measurements of responsibility and assignments. Number four, problems are a part of our stewardship. Let me explain this. Problems are like property. Problems are something that in order for them to truly be solved, you have to take responsibility for them. Come on, are you, talk, are you, are you hearing me today? Let me, let me say it more like this. As long as you and I refuse to accept responsibility for a problem, we, we will be missing the opportunity to allow that problem to do inside of us what God wants it to do inside of us. Am I communicating? They're a part of our stewardship. One of the things that we wanna do as we move into maturity of sonship maturity of sonship. One of the things that we must have happen to become a mature bride is that we must learn to accept responsibility for the problems in our lives. Wherever you see a person justify and excuse and blame shift and make excuses and not take responsibility, you, you will not find mature sons and daughters. Immaturity holds us in bondage because it keeps us from learning the very keys that are necessary to open the doors to get us out of that cycle. 
We have to engage in the fight. And in order to engage in the fight, we have to take responsibility for the problem, whatever that problem may be. See, problems will show you things that you didn't know about yourself if you let them. If you let them, problems are a stewardship. They can produce self-government. They can produce discipline. But listen, I want to drive all this home right here. Problems prove us for authority. We're talking about activation now. Problems prove us for authority. Why should the Lord entrust greater degrees of authority to a person who has bypassed the process of humbling, the process of cleansing, the process of character development, the process of growth. Why should the Lord entrust greater measurements of authority to a person who has backed away from the very things that God has designed to enable that person to steward greater measurements of authority, right? Problems prove us for greater authority. Another way of saying this like this, power and authority are guarded by problems. So I want us to go back to Isaiah 22 and I want, us to look at the, I want us to look at something here as we close on this. And I'm gonna try to wrap up a couple of thoughts here very quickly. And I, I might need to go a few minutes over 12, but just blame it on the Lord because he was doing so many great things in the service today. And you guys all say, you're not taking responsibility. <laughs> and I say, guilty as charged. All right, here we go. Isaiah 22, I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David and what he opens, no one can shut and what he shuts, no one can open. Keys represent authority. Keys represent authority. We must understand that authority is never something that we take without the process. When you find someone who wants to take authority without going through, see authority is always given. And I can show you all throughout the scripture how Jesus is always, he's proving, someone goes through a proving process, a process of cleansing, a process of humbling, a process of character development, a process of growth, a process of proving, and then greater authority is given to that person. And that person receives that authority and utilizes that authority for the measurement of that responsibility. And as they show themselves faithful with that measurement of responsibility, they're given more. We see this in families as parents raise their children to assume greater responsibility. See, our job as parents really is, not to, is not to shield our, our kids from problems. Our job is to discern what, prob, what problems are not designed for them. Are you hearing me? There are certain problems that try to come to my kids that come premature. And it's the enemy's strategy. If he can bring a problem that our children are not well outfitted for, it'll take them out. That's why, that's, that's why we have to tend our garden. Because if the enemy can overpower our children, either physically, emotionally, spiritually, any other way, mentally, verbally, then, then they're not outfitted to fight that problem. And that problem overtakes them and it holds them in bondage. But, but in, in addition to that, our job is also to work with the Holy Spirit to help craft problems that are commensurate to where they're at in their training regiment. Are you hearing me today? Okay. Whether that be 
you know, their daily chores or little things like even taking care of their hygiene or, you know, when, when kids come out against them at school, you know, our job isn't to come in there and pull our kids away and make sure nobody ever does anything. No, we say, how do you forgive? And say, how, how are we going to treat people? How do you stand up against that? We're training them to handle and to overcome the problems that are commensurate to their level of training and development at that moment, right? That's our responsibility as parents. We do that uh, in, in employment because authority is guarded by problems. I want you to look very quickly with me at the book of 1 Timothy. And again, I just, the one thing I really wanna drive home this morning is we need to stop praying our problems away. I believe in the breaker anointing just like the next person does, but I think we need to change our perspective of, of breakthrough. Okay, let me, let me just, this, some people may not understand this, but I'm, I'm just gonna speak apostolically into this. Many people in our stream have pawned off a maturity process on breakthrough. Because what breakthrough has meant to us is God, take the problem away. Just break through so I can walk through. <laughs> but, but as God partners with us, we, he's trying to help us understand. Notice in Isaiah 22, he says, I will give you the keys. What's the implication here? That you're the one who's gonna open the door. Now watch this. If I'm gonna give you the keys, that also implies something. It implies that you've walked through a process to earn the keys. Not just breakthrough, 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 and beating our heads on that wall, screaming breakthrough. It don't matter how much oil you throw at that wall. I believe in oil. But I believe if that, if that oil isn't coming from a person who's not allowed that problem to mature them, that oil is just gonna make that door even more slippery. <laughs> huh, come on now. We gotta let that door, we gotta let that wall, we gotta let it build something inside of us and we gotta say, you're ready for this key now. See, are you guys catching this? There are certain doors we're wanting God to knock down, but we haven't been proven to receive keys of authority to go through that door. Look at 1 Timothy chapter three, verse one. Here is a trustworthy saying. This is, this is Paul the apostle fathering his son in the faith, and he's talking about leaders, elders in the church, those that are trusted with authority those that have been trusted with authority to govern and bring direction and oversight. See, one of the reasons why so many pastors have been burned by elders in the church is because those elders were not qualified to steward maturity. There was something inside of them that was so incomplete and unwhole and broken that they needed authority as a substitute for identity. Authority comes on identity. No identity, you can't steward authority. Authority should never be a substitute for identity because it's the identity that produces the security to handle the authority well. Authority is like, it's like 
nuclear material. It's necessary and it can produce incredible things and make a great impact. But if you mishandle that, people will get hurt. Are you hearing me today? But if you know how to handle that authority, see a person who's secure in their identity, doesn't, they don't have to use authority all the time. They don't care if they have a position or not. Because the position and the title are only, they're only avenues to steward the authority for strategic advancements of the kingdom. And if the use of my authority right now is not so strategically helping the family and moving the body forward, I don't have to, I don't have to put on my authority hat. And when you have identity, you know that you've got authority and authority doesn't have you. If you need authority, authority has something inside of you. And that's why we have so many church splits and so much division because they're filled with people who partner with a religious spirit that, that tags onto their brokenness, that tags onto their lack of identity and their need for validation. And so they keep reaching for authority to control. It's not what we're gonna have here. It's not what we're gonna have here. First Timothy three, verse one, here's a trustworthy saying, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, let's just say if anyone sets his heart on, uh, on stewarding authority, he desires a noble task. In other words, that's a good thing when you set your heart on that in the, in the right spirit. Now I wanna make sure you understand what I'm saying. I, I, I'm saying it's not a bad thing to desire to influence for the kingdom of God. Just don't let that desire control you and let, let, let that thing mature and be patient enough. Listen, here's what I know. I have seen this over and over again on both sides. If we are patient and if we are, if we are stewarding the measure of responsibility that God has given to us well, even if it's small, God will always advance us. Scripture says in Psalms that promotion doesn't come from the East or the West. Promotion comes from God. It comes from the hand of God. So if you haven't been promoted yet, let the Lord shine light on something inside of you. Don't get angry. Don't get rebellious. Don't get oppositional. Are you hearing me? There have been people who I've had to, I've had to actually remove authority from or I've not advanced them. And, and then, you know, they would, they would just manifest. They just, they'd manifest. And then they go, why? Why am I doing it right now, man? Right now. You're doing it right now that, whatever that is right there, that's why you ain't ready. Huh? If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. Now the overseer, watch this, must be above reproach. In other words, blameless. How do we get there? How do we, how do we get above reproach. How do we get blameless? By learning how to steward the problems that come against us, the temptations, the seductions. By learning how to steward those well, as we steward those well, as we steward those in the wisdom and the power of God, as we get mastery and victory over those, as we get authority over those things, then we become, we become blameless, right? The husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. All of these things are dealing with personal problems. Personal problems. Are you guys catching this today? 
You can't handle your temper. You can't handle your need to spend money. You can't say no to getting that, that thing because you, you know, it's exceeding your ability or your resources. He goes, these are all personal problems that if you show mastery by the spirit of God, we're not talking about willpower, by the spirit of God, if you show the ability to steward these things well, watch the next level here, verse four, he must manage his own family well. So now he's saying, if you want to have authority over the church, not only must you demonstrate a measure of mastery and victory and authority over areas of your life, now you must demonstrate the ability to partner with another person. Now you must develop the ability to communicate with another person, to not shut down that partner, to not control, to not, to not make that person your enemy, and to work with another person to lead a smaller field. That's what he's saying here. Manage your household well. So he's saying incrementally, as you learn how to steward personal authority, and then you learn how to steward household authority, he says, now you're qualified. Now you're qualified to handle a greater amount of authority for other families and other marriages and other people and other problems. Are you hearing me today? You need to understand this. If you want more authority, you will face greater problems. you will face greater problems. In closing, um, I've been working with Apostle Dennis Peacock now for a couple of years on a, on a national and, and really an international movement called the Statesman Project. And going back to the question that Christy asked me earlier a couple of days ago, what was one of your greatest takeaways this year? I said, one of my greatest takeaways is, is when you increase your sphere of influence and authority, the hits come at you a lot harder. They come at you a lot harder. You know, I'm so grateful for the sphere of authority that God has given to us here, but the Lord positioned me in my work with the Statesman Project where I was, I was leading a focus group and in that focus group are lawyers, businessmen, apostles of vertical networks over countries. And I've been given leadership to lead these groups. And you wanna talk about the spirit of intimidation you want to talk about the spirit of intimidation. You want to talk about that, the, the feelings of insecurity, all those things that try to come at you. You want to talk about mental blocks and just, you know, things that are on the inside coming out by that, by that stress fracture. And it wasn't until this last trip to Dallas that I realized there's another level of authority and that greater level of authority brings on a greater level of assignment from the enemy against us. We're called as a people to be an apostolic voice and a prophetic voice, an apostolic influence and presence and a prophetic voice to this region and beyond. That's what Antioch was in the New Testament. That's what we're called to be today. So it means that every single one of us must learn how to fight at, at greater levels. That's what that means. And it means that the stronger must protect the weaker as, as we are all called to be in this fight together. But I, I, I wanna just say this today, that the fight will increase. The, the fight will increase, all right? But we've been outfitted with the tools and the weapons to fight those battles and to gain victory. But make no mistake that the pressure will increase. And, and our foundations and our basics and our kingdom community and our covenant love and our faithfulness to Jesus, those things will help buttress us and help grow us. Don't fear the attack. 
Just know that we are called to greater realms of authority for our assignment in the kingdom. Amen? Amen? Awesome. All right, guys, let's stand to our feet this morning. I want to bless you, pray for you. And um, if we could, those of our life group leaders and staff members that are available here to hang out for a, couple, for a few minutes, and, and um, there might be some of you today that just need somebody to rally around you and encourage you, pray for you, help you break through, help you press through. I'd like for our life group leaders to come on up here if you could and, um, and uh, just, just rally around our families this morning. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes here for one second. I bless you today, Antioch Church, and I pray that for all of us, every single one of us, that the Lord would speak and bring revelation and bring insight and bring understanding and bring understanding to the assignment that is at hand. I pray today that you would speak to every single one of our hearts and that there would not be one ounce of condemnation in this word today, but that our, our hearts would actually be inspired I pray today your hearts be inspired, Antioch. Inspired, encouraged. I pray for heaven's perspective to be on you right now. To cut through discouragement, to cut through intimidation, to cut through the feelings of quitting and throwing in the towel. I say that that is not your lot and it is not your destiny, but I declare over your life that everything that God is working to produce inside of you, that it is being produced, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He is completing something for this season. What he needs to complete for this module of your training, he is completing something for this module so that he can advance you, so that the kingdom could be advanced, so that he could increase your authority, so that the kingdom could be advanced. So I just declare today, and I don't, I don't know how to do this other than just all of us just saying, Lord, we agree, and we come into alignment and agreement with your purposes and your perspectives and your plans in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. Anyway, we can pray for you guys. Come on up here. And uh, let, us, let us rally around you and pray for you today. God bless you, Antioch Church. Go dominate the week. Come on. Yeah, Come on. dominate.